This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is the author Kevin J. Briggs who specializes in consciousness and the connection to ETs and UFOs. Kevin, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. I I appreciate you. I should be thanking you for having me on your show because without people like yourself, I can't get the message out from my ET star families that they've asked me to share with everyone now. So, So thank you for inviting me on your show. Kevin, now you've had ET experiences for the past 60 years. How did this all start? Yes, that's correct. I'm now 68. And uh, uh, my journey started when I was three years old. The actual first contact with the uh, extraterrestrials, the star families, I was eight years old. So you're correct, that's 60 years ago. When I was three years old, uh, my mother engaged a photographer to take some photographs for the family. The photographer arrived and I was lifted up onto the oak dining room table uh, for a better elevation, elevated position. Uh, and from that elevated position, I looked around the room and realized that I was conscious again in a physical body. I was aware of the fact that I was looking out from a physical. So that was the beginning of my journey, uh, just understanding that as a child. And uh, and then the actual first contact, as I mentioned, I was eight years old. I was taking a bath and uh, I was always sensitive to the vibrational frequencies that are around us. And I felt a change in the bathroom. I looked to my right and two beings appeared. Uh, they were slightly elevated off the floor, uh, both human in appearance, both very attractive, one male, one female. They were wearing a tight-fitting blue jumpsuit-type garment. And they had both had long, blonde, shoulder-length hair, very attractive, deep blue eyes, and they were speaking to one another telepathically, which I could understand. And it frightened me to death at the time, Jeff, as you can imagine, as an eight-year-old boy. And uh, the uh, Art, that was a male, and D was the female. I know them well now. I've been in contact with them all my life. Uh, D said to Art, is this the boy? And uh, Art said, yes, this is the boy. And then she questioned him again, are you sure this is a boy? He said, yes, this is a boy. And then she said, but look at him, he's small, he's uneducated, and he's frightened by our presence. And she was correct, uh, I was terrified. He said, no, this is a boy, I will guide him, I will teach him. There was some other conversation within that, and then they left. And as I said, I was frightened. I didn't get out of the bath, the water went cold, I was shivering. My mother came in to see why I was still in the bath with the water being cold. And uh, I said to her, I told her about the two beings and she said it was just my imagination. It wasn't, I've been in contact with them all my life. And Art was true to his word, he's guided me, he's taught me all my life. And the main thread of that education has been one of consciousness, shared consciousness. So 
I feel very privileged that they came down and assisted me with my education, which continues to this day. I'm still learning, I'm still being taught, I'm still being guided. The uh, next uh, interaction, I would have been nine years old, and uh, I'd had some friends around on a Sunday, we'd been playing, and uh, it was time for them to leave, to go home for their tea, for their dinner, and uh, I showed them out the back door. As I turned around, I felt the presence in the home, uh, another vibrational frequency that wasn't there as my friends had left. So I went looking for this frequency and I couldn't find it. I went upstairs in the bedrooms. I went back down into the living room where it was strongest and I was drawn towards the curtains, the drapes. I looked behind the curtains and there was an orb there, orange, yellowing color, uh, slightly vibrating, five, six inches across. And uh, there was no communication. Uh, and I wasn't certain at that time what that was. I now know that was art's pure conscious energy without his physical. There was no communication at that moment in time. And he was there for a whole week. I, I hoped he'd disappear the following morning, but I got up in the morning and I realized that he was still there. And it wasn't until I came home on Friday um, from school about four o'clock, I opened the back door and I realized that the orb had gone, the energy had gone. But what had happened then, uh, my psychic abilities had been enhanced, no end, uh, to the point where I was able to uh, use my conscious energy and separate it from my physical body and go and travel outside of the physical body. Uh, as a young child, as a nine-year-old, I used to just travel to my grandparents' home. Who They'd lived about 70 miles away in Liverpool. I lived in Wakefield at the time. And uh, I would just leave my body, relax, go over to their home, enter through the roof and go and sit upstairs. Or they had a, a dressing room off the master bedroom upstairs. And I would look down through the floor, which was opaque. And I could see my grandmother usually cooking on a Sunday. Uh, my grandfather usually watching the TV or reading the newspaper. And it gave me great comfort to go and see them. I didn't realize the potential of that at a young age of nine. So that's how I used to use that uh, particular uh, modality of travel, really, using thought and consciousness, separation of that conscious energy. I didn't know any of that then. Uh, I was just a child. And I often wondered, though, when I was sat there, if my grandparents came upstairs into the bedroom, into the dressing room where I was sat, what would they see? And I now know the answer to that. They would have seen a, a conscious energy orb four to six inches across, slightly vibrating, orangey, yellowing colour. That will be my pure conscious energy outside of the physical. So I, I'm aware of that now because I've learned how to use that. I've learned how to travel outside of the body, how to communicate with my ET star families using that one modality of contact. There are many other modalities that we use. So it's really my journey's just been a, a progression and education uh, in relation to consciousness, as I said. And I have all the abilities in relation to consciousness uh, uh, with uh, the healing, the communication, the travel, the education, the creation and co-creation that our ET staff families have. And they've educated me to that level. So if they can do that with me, Jeff, they can do that with anybody. So we, we're all in that position and we need to learn these things to evolve species. So. That's part of the journey, part of what I'm trying to 
that get out there to people, to members of the public, to those that are interested, or to those who have their own contact and maybe a little bit frightened of speaking out to others, to family and friends, because of fear of ridicule. But there are many now that I speak with and make communication with who have their own contact. So I think the next stage in my con connection with my see, I was uh, 14 years old. I had a paper out. And when I left the home uh, every, every morning, a UFO would appear above the house. And then as I'm walking towards the paper shop to collect my papers, a second UFO would appear. And they would follow me around the paper round until I'd finished. And then one would uh, go back in the direction it'd come from. And one would usually go straight up into space. So, But at the time when they were following me, I was always aware of a presence behind the fence, behind the wall. As I say, I was uh, susceptible to feeling these different frequencies as a child. So on one occasion, I plucked up courage and I said, I know you're there. Can you show yourself? And two small greys stepped out from behind the hedge. I asked, I wasn't frightened by them. I asked, what did they want? And they said there was a group of people that wished to meet with me. And uh, would, would I go with them? And I said, well, I've got my paper round to finish. And I, I've got to go to school this morning. And they said, well, you can finish your paper round and we'll have you back in time for school. So I finished the round, I agreed to go with them, and I was taken up to what I believe was a large mothership. Uh, and, uh, the reason why I came to that conclusion was because when we entered the hangar, it was huge, absolutely huge. All these different shapes of crafts that we all see, that people report, they were all there, a huge amount of them. Uh, and I, Anyway, I was led down to a amphitheatre. In, I walked into the amphitheatre, and it was full of people. Uh, and at the bottom of the amphitheater on a stage, there was a table with eight beings sat on that table. And those were the beings that I was being there to be introduced to. And uh, I went up on the stage. Uh, I wasn't frightened by the event. I just thought I was there as a human specimen to be paraded in front of people. And I was introduced to the eight. The first two were Orton D, the ones that had materialized in so I hadn't seen them since I was eight, or I'm now 14, uh, but they sat here on this table in this craft with six other beings. The next being sat next to them that I was induced to was Anna. She was a, a blue bird type being, very empathic. Next to them was, next to her was Zao. He's a small grey. He's a mathematician and engineer. Uh, and then sat next to him was Ra. He was the leader of the group. Uh, he's Anunnaki, he tells me, ninth dimensional being. And uh, next to him was Targ. He was a tall grey, and he was responsible for the security, not only of this Council of Eight, but for this quadrant of the galaxy. And I had thought of the galaxies being split into quadrants. And then after him was Chica. When I was introduced to him, I was a bit perturbed because he was a uh, mantis being, just like a big tall grasshopper, uh, or like the mantis beings we have here, the small ones, uh, the praying mantis. And I was a bit perturbed by him because he had these big bulging eyes. And, uh, it was unusual to see such what I thought was a very large insect. And then lastly was Orla. She was a tall white. She was a very pale complexion. Uh, large eyes, and she had translucent hair. 
And those were the eight that I was taking there to be introduced to. And as I say, initially, I thought there was uh, just a human specimen there just to be paraded. And uh, I realized that now that wasn't the case. The council of eight, if I've now come to know them, were sat at the table and all the amphitheater that was full were all the delegates. No different uh, we would have uh, at the UN or our governments. That's how they uh, do their governmental work, as it were. And they were just doing the same, but I was there being introduced to, to that particular group. Uh, and I understand that of why. Uh, and probably now my next um, encounter would be 17 or 18. I can't remember the exact date, but I know where I was. I was living at the time. And uh, I was trying to find other people that had contact with ETs, contact with the higher dimensional beings, whatever label you want to put on them. So I asked my family and friends in a third party. I would say, uh, I have a friend of mine who travels outside of his body. He's able to meet with deceased family members and uh, uh, meet with ETs. Do you know anybody that can do that? And they all said, no, no, no. So I thought, well, I need to ask D. So one night I went to bed, I relaxed, and uh, I opened my mind. I held out my hand, and I said, Art, I know there's much more to this, uh, and I can't find anybody that can give me some more information. Can you come and show me and give me some more information? He came, he took hold of my hand, I left my body, nothing unusual for me. Been doing that since I was nine, I'm now 17, 18. And uh, I looked down, I could see my body asleep. And um, we left through the uh, window. We flew around the subdivision. Bear in mind, this is out of body travel. Came back into the window and I looked down, I was still asleep. I went back into my body. I woke up that morning and saw, I thought I wasn't certain whether I was dreaming. So I thought about it during the day and I thought I'll do the same thing the following night. So that evening I relaxed, I opened my mind, I asked Ork to come and show me some more. He came, he took hold of my hand, I looked down, I was fast asleep. We went out to the window, we went down into the Leeds city centre. I recognised the buildings there, the uh, museum, the hospital, the university where I worked at the time as a technician. And, uh, and then uh, we flew back back in through the window and again my body was asleep and uh, uh, I went back into my body. So I woke up the second morning still not convinced I was sleepwalking or dreaming so I thought I would try it for a third night. On the third night exactly the same process relaxed opened my mind asked Hawk to come show me some more. He came and I said uh, before we go I said can we uh, can we go out through the roof because uh, I'm a bit perturbed about going out through the window we're three stories up, it's concrete pavement below, and I'm still not certain whether I'm dreaming or sleepwalking. They said, yes, no problem. So we went out to the roof, we travelled around, came back into the roof, and uh, uh, my body was asleep, and I went back into my body, into my physical body. So that was the third, third morning. So by this time, I realised it was just part of the education, uh, something that we're not used to doing, but... Uh, Clearly had the guidance of art, and that's what he said he would do uh, when I was eight years old. I think then the, I, I used to travel with him quite a bit doing that. And then on one occasion, he came to me and uh, he said that, Kevin, I'm going to take you somewhere special this evening. Will you come with me? I said, yes, I'll go anywhere you want to go. So we, I took, he took hold of my hand. Again, I always looked down to see 
my body's out. It's not going anywhere. And it was fast asleep. We went out to the roof and we kept going up and up and up and up. And the earth got smaller and smaller and smaller. And we went into a higher dimension. And when we went into that dimension, there was a line of people there, a line of 30 people, all stood waiting to greet me. And I could feel this eminence of love coming from this group, just tremendous. At the front of the line, at the front of the group, was my father. He'd been deceased. Uh, he died when I was nine years old. And he was stood up. And I'd never seen him standing because when I was born, he was in a wheelchair. And uh, so it was nice to see him standing, uh, his beaming face, and he greeted me. And uh, as I say, this love that emanated from the whole group, which is tremendous. He said, Kevin, I'm going to introduce you to your uh, family members going back over 30 generations. So we went down the line. I was introduced to each one. They told me what they did for a living in their past incarnation. And then when we got halfway down the line, it was very interesting because the uh, they didn't have a, what appeared to be a physical. They had they were orbs, the conscious energy orbs that I'd seen before, orange, yellowing in colour, slightly vibrating, six to eight inches across. Uh, and uh, but they still communicated telepathically, and they could show me telepathic images of their last incarnations. So I went down the line, introduced, and uh, I went to go and meet these people uh, on a regular basis over two-year period and I got to such a point that I didn't need uh, art to go with me I could go on my own at my own uh, will when I wanted to go and but then after a couple of years I found it more and more difficult to get back into my physical so I thought one day what should I do I cannot just not go back and see them again I'll have to go back one more time and let them know I won't be coming back so that evening uh, I relaxed opened my mind I went to visit them uh, again, that tremendous feeling of love that emanates from this group. And I told them that I wouldn't be uh, uh, coming back to see them again uh, for the reasons I've mentioned. They tried to persuade me to stay. And I said, no, if I stay here, my physical will pass. And uh, I've got things I want to do. I'm enjoying my physical. And uh, I say I've got things that I want to do. So I know that you're here. I know that when my physical does pass, then uh, I will come back and I will join you. But between now and then, I'm going to enjoy my physical life. And I went back, I went back into my body, and I've never been back to see them since. And I say, about 17 or 18 years of age at this moment in my life. But I know that they're there. And if I need help, I can ask them for help, which I do all the way through my life. I've, I've been fortunate to have the, uh, the guidance of D and the council of it and the deceased family members and friends because we're all part of that shared consciousness. And I'm here at the moment enjoying a physical, uh, but I'm still spiritual in nature. I, I was thinking of myself as symbiotic. I'm a spiritual person and a physical person enjoying this physical reality. So that would be when I got to, let's see, 17, 18, I said. And then after that, it, was, it went a little bit quiet until I was in my early 30s. And then uh, I'd been working a, a double shift at work, which we call a quick changeover, and uh, where you work six while two, and then, sorry, uh, 12, six in the morning, and then uh, you come back and do a, another quick changeover. And uh, it, I was always tired when I did those, because I came home at two o'clock the following day. So I'd usually go to bed for um, a couple of hours till my wife came home from work. 
And on this occasion, I got into bed and a shadow person came into the bedroom and beckoned me. Well, they don't do that normally. They'll just fleet about in, behind the furniture, behind the sofa or something. Uh, very mischievous. And I told him to go away because I was tired. And he went away, walked through the door. He came back a couple of minutes later, beckoned me again. And uh, uh, I then I said, no, I'm, I'm tired. Go away, come back. He went and he came back for a third time. So I said, right, okay, you, you obviously want to show me something. I'll, I'll get up. I didn't get dressed. He disappeared through the door. I uh, opened the door, walked onto the landing, and there's a beam of light there from the floor to the ceiling. I would uh, describe it as like the transporters on Star Trek, if you've ever seen that, the beam of light when they transport down to the planet. Well, I said, you've gone to all this trouble. I'm going to uh, step into the light. So I stepped into the light, and this voice said to me, uh, I am your father, you are your father's son. Uh, I felt euphoric as I stepped into the light and uh, the light stayed for a few moments. I just heard that one voice speak to me. I know now that was Ra. That was the lead council, the Anunnaki of this council of eight. And uh, when he left, the beam of light went from the floor and the ceiling sequentially and disappeared in my chest, abdomen area. And I say I was still euphoric. I was no longer tired. I got up, I took my dogs out. When my wife came home, I told her about the event. And uh, uh, we went out that evening for a meal, which I would never do when we'd done a quick changeover shift. So um, so that took me up to 32. And just to round it up, because I know we're running out of time, uh, five years ago, uh, I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. I came back from the bathroom, got back into bed, there was a bright light outside the bedroom window. The light came into the bedroom, lit it up like a myriad of butterflies, but it was just bright, pure white light. And then Orton D materialized at the bottom of the bed. After pleasantries, I asked what they wanted. They said, Kevin, we want you to write about your lifelong uh, interactions with us. We want you to speak about it. I said, Well, I don't mind speaking, uh, but I'm not a writer. They said, Well, we will continue to guide you, we will continue to teach you, and we will give you information to include in the book. Uh, and then Art said, in fact, you will write two books, Kevin. And uh, we will, then he said, we will continue to guide you and give you information to include in the book. Uh, I've written the first book, Spiritual Consciousness, A Personal Journey. And uh, at the moment, I'm writing the second book now. So um, that's really, in, in a nutshell, there's a lot more to this. It's a huge story, Jeff, but that might interest your listeners because uh, when they realise that, you know, our deceased family members and friends are still alive, just at a higher level of consciousness, and uh, people are very interested in people who have near-death experiences. They're able to access those higher levels of consciousness, as I am able to do at will, because I've been, I've been taught how to do that by my ET star family. So uh, uh, I hope your listeners enjoy that. And if they've got any questions, anything they want to give me, uh, they can contact me on my email. I'm open to speaking to anybody. And my email is just my uh, uh, name, Kevin James Briggs at gmail.com. Uh, so anybody's welcome to contact me. If you've got your own contact and you're a little bit apprehensive, uh, send me an email. I can communicate with you you're on your journey. Kevin, thank you for sharing your story with us. You know, 
when you went and visited your ancestors, I felt like you were having an NDE. I'd never thought about that, Jeff. That's, um, is, well, is that, that may be a possibility. Perhaps. I hadn't thought of it that way. The way I see it is I'm just separating the conscious energy from the physical. And the physical is still alive without the conscious energy. Um, but I was feeling at the end of that two-year period that I was having it more difficulty getting back into the physical, and that's why I stopped. Uh, perhaps, um, yeah, it's a very good question, though. I don't think, personally, I don't think it was an NDE. It was my choice to travel. Uh, and because I have had that ability from the age of nine, it wasn't anything unusual for me. The only thing that was unusual was the fact of meeting my deceased family and friends. And I've met deceased friends before when they've passed. And uh, and I still do to this day, they'll come and visit. And uh, there's a story in my book, Spiritual Consciousness, about my uh, Uncle Alec. And that's a fascinating story. After he passed, he kept coming back and forwards. And, but communicating with me and my wife, uh, quite an interesting story, really. So it's really, it's not just about ETs, and it's about consciousness itself. The ETs, the higher extraterrestrials, are just part of that. And we're as important within that consciousness itself as they are. We just need to open up those lines of communication. Yeah, I should have said the an NDE without the trauma. <laughs> yes, of mine were quite enjoyable. I enjoyed it. It was entertainment for me. I enjoyed going to meet with them. I enjoyed the interaction, the emotional interaction with them. And uh, it was just, just a part of who I am. And, and the traveling out of body, I would, when, when we were, oh, about 17, again, about 17 or 18, uh, we did, I didn't have cell phones then. I didn't have a phone. I walked down to the local call box at the top of the street. And I would just use it. I would think, oh, go and see Gary. See if he wants to go out for lunch today. Uh, instead of walking over to his home, I'd just leave my body, go over to his house, see if he was there, and then I would set off and meet him. So I just used it. But I thought at that age, everybody had these abilities. It was just normal, but people didn't talk about it. I realised that, but we probably do have them. We haven't developed them. Uh, although there are many now that I've met that do have these abilities. And remote viewing, which is very similar, which anybody can learn to do. Uh, so, yeah, we're much more than we know, Jeff, much more than we're taught. And I, I was fortunate to have that education of, uh, with and guided by OPD and the Council of Eight to some degree. So, yeah. Kevin, how do you define consciousness? How do, oh, that's a very good question. A very difficult question. I can tell you what they've told me about consciousness. They've told me that, uh, let me see if I can remember it now, the conscious energy exists at the subatomic level, at the quantum level, between, now, what did it say, between the spaces, has uh, light frequencies. So conscious energy, light frequencies in all matter, and dependent on the level of that frequency will depend on what level of uh, cognitive abilities, shall we say, that we have, those different levels of consciousness. So if you imagine a rock is conscious because it has a light frequency 
between the subatomic particles. That makes it conscious. But it's not at a higher level of consciousness because it's not at that level where it can use that conscious energy, that light frequency for communication and all the other interactions that consciousness allows us to do. Does that make sense? I'm not a mm -hmm. scientist, uh, Jeff. So, mm -hmm. you know, they give me these downloads of scientific information and uh, and then they'll explain them to me if I ask the question. But I'm not a scientist per se, but I have my own understanding of it. Because when they give me downloads, then they'll give me an experience in relation to the download to help explain it. So, uh, um, so in answer to the question, consciousness, uh, light frequencies in all matter. I was checking out the back of your book and it talks about how do we know we are conscious? Can you tell us about that's that? A, well, that's a very good question again. Well, I think I know that I'm conscious because I interact with other conscious beings. Uh, I, don't, I don't interact with the rocks, I must admit, but I interact with plants, trees, animals, other human beings. I interact with higher conscious beings. I interact with the ETs. I interact with my deceased families and friends. And all the conduit and connection for that is consciousness itself. They are the conduits for communication, for travel, for healing, for education, for creation and co-creation. And I'm just a part of that. And I have a, an understanding. So if the, they also told me that the universe itself is conscious, but if we see the universe as light energy, light frequency, then we're all a part of that then that's how we're able to use this conscious energy uh, for all the things I've outlined. And I think once we all learn that, then we will evolve as a species. And that's why they're asking me to share the information they've given to me. And it's not just me, Jeff. I'm a very, very small piece in a very large jigsaw. There are many others. And I've found now that each of us, I've, I've joined some different groups. I've joined uh, uh, Rebecca Hartcastle's group the Excel Consciousness Group. And each person in that group have got specific abilities uh, with what I've been outlining in relation to consciousness and how it can be used. And it's fascinating when you meet other people who have their own contact with ETs, who have an understanding. There's a few in one of the groups I'm in, and they're tremendous healers. They have a great understanding of how our bodies can be healed, how we can heal ourselves. Uh, I, they haven't educated me within that realm, as it were, although I've got experiences of healing myself, experiences of my ET star families healing me. But these other people, their specific education has been one on healing, quantum healing, uh, which, you know, our sciences don't teach those. So clearly there are many uh, being guided with the to help facilitate the... Um, evolution of our species. So I think it's very exciting times ahead, Jeff, for, for us as a species, for humanity. Uh, so hopefully that we will all continue to learn uh, and grow as a species. If we go back to the beginning, the male ET was telling D, this is the boy. And that to me suggests that he knew who you were. He was looking for you. You weren't just some random human on the planet. 
If that's true, do you think that you made some agreement pre-birth? I would think so. With the knowledge that I have now, uh, I've, I've got memories of two previous previous lives, or should I say two previous deaths, because they, they were violent deaths, and I remember them. I remembered them as a child, and I would explore them as a child. So I believe, yeah, I probably signed up for this. Uh, Orton D did tell me that I'm part of their extended family. They are Arcturian from Andromeda. Uh, uh, but the only difference between me and them is I live in the third dimension, which is a lower vibrational frequency, and they live in the fifth dimension. So they're just the different levels of that consciousness. Uh, but because they've taught me, I've, they've taught me up to their level of the fifth dimensional level how to use, what how they use consciousness for communication, travel, healing, and all that stuff that I keep repeating. Uh, so. And if I'm part of their extended family, then other people here, other humans, are part of someone else's extended family. So we have to learn that. We're like in the kindergarten, and they're in the uh, already got their PhD at university. So we're still learning, I think. Uh, but that I think the key is openness. Uh, I think because we are, as a species, I think we are brainwashed by what we see on the TV. But I think that's done on purpose to control us as a species. But we are evolving, and hopefully, well, I'm very confident for the future, Jeff. Um, I, I, there's many people speaking out now, and uh, if one person disappears, it doesn't matter because the the way that uh, each person has got a bit of the information. If, say I disappeared tomorrow, it wouldn't matter because it's just one small piece of the jigsaw that you've lost, and uh, the whole picture is still there. So we'd have to lose a lot of these small pieces of the jigsaw. So we're heading in the right direction. They are here. They are guiding us. They are very concerned about the pollution on our planet at the moment. They're very concerned about Fukushima leaking the radioactive materials into the uh, sea there, to the ocean. Um, but they do say they've got technologies that can help clean up our pollution. And they're willing to share that if we reach out to them and we make that open contact where they can reveal themselves globally to us as a species. And that's where we're heading, really. It's just a matter of a time scale now. Um, in fact, they just recently they asked me, uh, they wanted a mandated protocol to be implemented to receive them. And I'd contacted some members of our government in the UN uh, a couple of years ago in relation to this, with, with, to no avail. So now they tell me that the reveal of their presence globally will come from the citizens of Earth and uh, with a request from the citizens of Earth. But they need a mandated protocol implemented to receive them. They told me what they required in that mandated protocol. So I actually wrote it, wrote it down. I signed it. My wife witnessed it. Uh, Kathleen Marden, Denise Stoner, Dr. Melanie Barton signed and ratified. So we now have a mandated protocol in place for the citizens of Earth to make a request uh, via the different experiences here who have their own direct contact, maybe a group of experiences, to make that formal request. In fact, I have a, a copy here. Oh, I've just seen it over there. I, I used it yesterday. I read it out to a group, and uh, it's a mandated protocol. Do we have time to read it? It's only two paragraphs. Or... Yeah, sure. Because of uh, my understanding of consciousness, what I'm really trying to do here, what I am doing here, 
I'm creating a future reality. I'm co-creating a future reality with our ET star families using thought and consciousness. And that's how we create the reality. reality. And because I understand that, uh, and I've written down, I've now manifested the document. It's part of my consciousness. And the other people that I share it with, it becomes part of their consciousness. And then it becomes part of the collective consciousness. So we all understand that. And that's where we're heading, really. And I think, again, that's one of the reasons they've educated me into an understanding of consciousness itself. So to lead us to this point. So I'll just read this. It mm-hmm. means, uh, it's only a short uh, couple of minutes. I've um, titled it Mandated Protocol to Receive Our ET Star Families Ambassadors. Individuals on our planet are currently being engaged by our ET star families. Our governments are aware of this, but at this time they are not ready to receive the ambassadors. The ET star families ambassadors are requesting a mandated protocol to be ratified and implemented by the citizens of Earth to receive them. Within the mandated protocol will be provisions for the safety and security of the star families on approach to the planet, while in our atmosphere and on the ground at mutually agreed designated time, date and location. When implemented, we, the citizens of Earth, can reach out with our own ambassadors for the reveal of our ET star families with a mutual exchange of cultures, technologies and pave the way for a new society, a society we desire for our children, for our future generations, a new society we co-create with our ET star families, one that will include them. The second part, second paragraph of title, Protocol for Peaceful Contact with our ET star families. Creation, co-creation, intent for a mandated protocol to receive our ET star families ambassadors. I have been informed by my ET guides that they require a mandated protocol in place to guarantee their safety and security when invited to Earth for meetings, interactions, and cultural exchange. My ET guides also inform me that the reveal of their presence globally will come from a request from the citizens of Earth. We use thought and consciousness intent to create our reality. I propose we, because we as exoconscious humans have an understanding of this, we should lead with the intention, creation, co-creation, with our ET star families ambassadors. This will be the intention of this proposed mandated protocol being co-created through thought and consciousness. Included in these thoughts will be the protection and security of the craft and their occupants approaching Earth. While flying in our atmosphere, at landings, meetings, predetermined dates, times and locations. And then the last line is, in witness thereof, the undersigned being authorized by their birthright as born of this earth. And then I signed it, my wife witnessed it, Kathleen Marden uh, signed it and ratified it, Denise Stoner signed it and ratified it, Dr. Melanie Barton signed and ratified it. So we now have a document that they've requested that we have co-created. So that's where we're heading now. And as I say, the next step will be for a group of experiencers who have their own contact to get together to create their own council here, shall we say, and make that open invitation to them. So we are moving forward, and I think we have to move forward quickly because uh, I think the alternative 
perspective is we evolve as a species and that involvement means becoming a galactic species and we need assistance with that. Uh, or the alternative is we uh, annihilate ourselves and we start again. But my ET guys tell me that uh, uh, they don't want that. They want to assist us. They are here to assist us. And I'm very confident, happy. Uh, I think we have a very bright future. Did you send a copy of this to the UN as well? No, uh, not this particular one, no. Uh, well, on the original time when I spoke with the UN, or should I say um, Nicholas Hedman's office, he's the chairman of the Outer Space Affairs Committee, I sent him an email asking if there was a mandated protocol implemented to receive our ET staff on this. He replied that there wasn't at this moment in time. I asked him, well, how would we do that? And he said that uh, um, you would have to get a member state to uh, promote that uh, for a vote at the United Nations. So I left it at that at that moment in time. And then a little bit later on, I was given a specific time date. I can't remember without looking at my notes. I know it was February the 1st. They want, my ET guides wanted to meet with the United Nations in New York at this particular date. So I contacted the office again of Nicholas Hedman. And I also wrote to Dr. DePippo, Washington, D.C., their office there, with the same request. I didn't, I didn't hear back from either of them. And I wasn't surprised because it, it's a huge leap for someone that they don't know, say there's a, a group of ETs that want to meet with the United Nations. So but what was very interesting, uh, I wrote to them with the uh, uh, dates and things when they wanted to meet. Eight days after that, a friend of mine, Terry Lice, who's an experienced himself. He's a retired law professor. He's a retired assistant attorney general for two jurisdictions. And he phoned me up. He said, Kevin, how are you? I said, I'm fine, how are you? He said, Kevin, I've been given, because I put all the information out there on Facebook and everything. He said, I've been given the same dates as you by uh, my ET guides. Because I've mentioned before, there are many experiences now in the information. And I told him I'd already written to, Dr. to Nicholas Hedman's office in the UN in Vienna and the office with Dr. DiPippo in Washington. And he said, Kevin, I know Dr. DiPippo. I will write to him supporting what you're requesting. So he did. I've got copies of the emails. And uh, he didn't re receive a reply either. So then uh, Terry went through the back channels of government that he knows. And in his words, he got the pushback. So um, our governments aren't ready yet. I'm sure they will be at some point in the future. Um, I hope they have our best interest at heart. We will have to wait and see. But if not, like my ET guides say, we now have a mandated protocol implemented by the citizens of Earth. We can make our own request. And if the governments want to join in with us, then they're quite welcome. So we will have to see uh, how we go. We have to do this. Uh, we, the citizens of Earth, have to do this. If not, then we might go down the second route of annihilation. So we, it is important that we move forward with this. And as I say, I'm not important in this. I'm just that one small piece of the jigsaw. There are many others with the other pieces as well. So if they're all put together under one roof, and then we, the experiencers, the exoconscious humans, uh, make that request, then perhaps it will be honoured. And I know that I've called the craft in on a couple of occasions, one uh, at uh, a conference in uh, South Dakota, 
and the craft appeared and it was there for an hour and 20 minutes. I call them in at the back of my home and they'll come down. And uh, so they are listening. Um, I went to a friend's C5 group in Ocala uh, a few weeks ago and the craft appear at request. So we can ask them, well, you know, many have got direct communication using cotton consciousness, telepathic communication, which I've had since uh, obviously a child. I'm comfortable with my telepathic communication. And it's just one of the modalities of contact that they use that I'm uh, uh, confident and comfortable with. So we have that direct link. And I believe now that's why they've educated me to this level with all the modalities of con consciousness, which can be used for contact. So I think that's the, the importance of it. You mentioned earlier that you could feel their presence when they're around. Can you share with us what does that feeling feel like? It just feels like a, shall we say, a tingling over the body. You can feel the higher vibrational frequency. Very similar if you have some speakers attached to your TV or your music centers or whatever, uh, your music players, and they've got a very heavy bass or a high frequency, and you stand in front of those speakers, you can feel the energy of those speakers from the music or the sound. It's the same when they appear. If I was at a friend's house not so long ago, and we're having some just having a, an afternoon cup of tea and some buns and some sandwiches and things, and and I felt the presence uh, while we were chatting. The other people were experiences as well, and I said to them, uh, "You know, I can feel that you're here. Can you show the fact that you're here by flashing the two lamps that were on the sideboard?" Uh, nothing happened immediately. We finished the uh, food, then we moved into the uh, sitting room. And from there, we were sat there just chatting, and the two lights started flashing. So, um, it's, and now when I went to the uh, C5 group with my friend uh, Gary in uh, Ocala, again, the same thing there. We were just sat around eating, having some nibbles. I felt the presence. And I asked them to flash the lights and they flash the lights to confirm that they're there. And on that occasion, uh, one of the ETs touched Gary on his leg and on his ankle, I think, and touched one of the other persons uh, that was there physically. And they do do that. They've done that to me. They, they grabbed my big toe in bed on two occasions and jumped on the bed physically to wake me up. So, But I'm not frightened. So I'm happy with that. Uh, uh, that I mean, the contact's just us really if we are open to it one of the council members of eight is named ra is he related to the ancient egyptian god well i asked him that question and uh, he spells his name r-a-h he said he's not the god ra uh, of the egyptian times but he was alive in the egyptian times but i think it's we the people that put the label on him as the god Ra, because in those times, if someone came down in a large craft, had the technologies that they have, bearing in mind he's Anunnaki, then they would regard him as a god. When I asked him if he was a god, he said, the god Ra. He said, no. But I suspect, I don't know, it's the same person, because he tells me he's now a ninth dimensional being. He doesn't always have a physical. He chooses to move between the higher dimensional frequencies or the physical, and he does that at will. I, obviously, I saw him in the physical, 
on the craft when I was 14. Uh, but because he's able to transition backwards and forwards. So in answer to your question, he tells me he's not. I suspect, no, he's not a god, but it was him because he's been around for over 5,000 years, he tells me. So that would incorporate those times and periods. So, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, unfortunately. But uh, that's, I did ask them if they believed in God. And they said, yes, they do, which I think that's a good thing. Uh, yes, they do. Uh, but in a different way that we see, we don't, they don't see God as one being that created everything. Uh, they see consciousness as being the supreme being, as it were, that creates everything. And it creates it through consciousness. So really what they're saying, yes, God is consciousness itself. And perhaps why, and I also, I'm not particularly religious type person, but perhaps that's why some of the teachings, the religious teachings, say that we each have a piece of God within us. And that would be the consciousness, the conscious energy. So it's just changing our concept of who we are, what God is. and uh, But we'll leave that to the theologians. I'm sure they can work something out with the ETs and, and change their philosophies their bibles they've done that in the past and i'm sure they can do it again so uh, uh, i don't see that being a, a, an issue really in relation to it's just expanding our knowledge and seeing god in a in a different light as i might say uh, as we've been talking about light frequencies so if we see god in a different light rather than one being uh, encompassing all beings all life all of us whether you be in the spiritual or whether you be in a physical. So, that, but that's my opinion rather than uh, what they've taught me, just from the information they, they've given me. When you revealed your life and your contact to ETs to your wife, how did she react? When I first met her, we worked together. We were both technicians at uh, the university. And uh, we started dating, uh, going out. Then I was going to ask her if she would marry me. I thought, well, I better tell her about how I can see deceased pe people. Uh, I'm in contact with the ETs because if I marry and she finds out later, she probably wouldn't be too pleased. Anyway, I told her and she took it on the chin, as it were, and said, well, if you can see deceased people and ETs, I want to see them as well. And she now does. <laughs> she now does see them. Uh, they'll show her a craft. She was allowed to take a photograph of a craft that appeared under a rainbow. Zach, one of the uh, council of eight, he comes into our home. He moves her personal items around the home. I asked him why he did that, and he, he said he thought it was funny. He liked teasing her. Uh, but uh, there was a serious side to let her know that we are here, we are amongst you. And then on one occasion, he moved her, all her shoes and lined them up in the walk-in closet next to the baseball board. And uh, I knew he'd done it, so I asked him why he did it. And he said that was the answer he gave me, because he likes teasing her. He thinks it's funny, but the serious side is that we are here amongst you. But then I asked him, did you move the shoes physically? And he said, uh, no, I moved the atoms in space-time dimension. Well, that's far above our physics, our understanding. And clearly that's where we need to head in relation not only from the spiritual side of understanding who we are, but expanding our knowledge of technology and physics 
that incorporates the universe, as it were, were and then we, we can expand and, and say grow and become our own galactic species. Did he appear in front of you kind of like a translucent or transparent ghost? Or did he appear as an orb or something physical? Well, initially, um, my Uncle Alec always smoked a pipe all his life. And he smoked some Bruno tobacco. I don't know if ever smelt the smell. It's a very nice smell. It's a sweet smell. Uh, so when after he passed, uh, in the house, I got we got I got a smell initially of St. Bruno tobacco. I knew it was him, so I spoke to him. And then um, a few weeks or days after that, my wife said to me, Kevin, you're not going to believe this, but I can smell St. Bruno tobacco. So I said, oh, it's Uncle Alec, he's here. And uh, uh, she realised that then. But then he would come and sit in the house, and he would sit in a chair, and I could feel his vibrational frequency where he was sat because I'm sensitive to those higher frequencies. And, and it became a nuisance. <laughs> so after a while, I said, I banned him from the house. And I told him, look, Alec, you've got to move on. Uh, you know, you've, you've passed now, you've gone to those higher levels of consciousness. You can't keep, you, you know, you can't keep coming down here. And uh, he would sit in the car with me. He'd smell this some Bruno tobacco on. He just wouldn't leave me alone. Anyway, so I banned him. And then when I was asked to write the book, I was reflecting on what to put in the book. And I thought about Uncle Alec. I thought, well, Kevin, that was cruel. That was mean, banning him from the house. So I said to him, Alec, I apologise. I said, I'm sorry I banned you from the house, but you were becoming a nuisance. You're quite welcome to come back and visit anytime. Bear in mind, this is about 30 years later, and I'm in Florida, and that was in the, uh, the UK where I lived then. So nothing happened. Then a couple of days later, I was watching the TV and there was that smell of some Bruno tobacco again. So it came through. So I knew it was there. So I spoke to him and I said to him, look, you're quite welcome. I'm sorry I banned you. You're welcome anytime, but don't become a nuisance. I didn't mention it to Sandy because it'd been 30 years since he passed. A couple of days later, Sandy's cooking in the kitchen and she says, Kevin, you're not going to believe this. I feel that somebody stood next to me and I can smell some Bruno tobacco. She didn't have the conversation with him that I can have. I said, oh, yes, it's Alex. I apologised to him for banning him. And uh, and I think it came out once after that. He hasn't been since, and he won't, because he knows he's welcome. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's it's quite a, an interesting story, because it, it, it travels from one side of the world to this side of the world. And, you know, even though our fam uh, family and friends have deceased, you can still hurt their feelings by being mean to them. You know, I mean, it's just, but he was a pest. Not now. And I, I speak to him occasionally, you know, uh, as I do with many of my past uh, friends and family. So. so do you think that full disclosure will only happen when enough of us on the planet here have raised our vibration and they're just waiting for that? I think that's what's happening. That's the idea of getting the information out there in relation to consciousness itself. And once you have that tipping balance of when it's in all our consciousness, it's part of our reality. The ETs are part of my reality. My deceased family and friends are part of my reality. I'm just in the physical at this moment in time. But my reality is different to theirs because I am in the physical. But other people here on Earth once they realize that they can communicate 
and expand their knowledge, then it gives a paradigm shift of us as a species. And I'm sure once we do that, and you can see now, if I look back and I see the steps that have been taken, and there are many, I've only been talking about now for about five years, but there's people that have been doing it for oh, 10, 20, 30 years. Look at Kathleen Marden. I think you've had her on your show. Mm-hmm. She's had contact and her family have had contact and she's been speaking out about it for over 30 years. And there are many others that have done that. And it, it's a continuing journey, but we are reaching that pinnacle of uh, a paradigm shift in consciousness itself. When you think consciousness is the creator, using thought and consciousness of the reality, once you think about it, you can create it. And that's what that's what we're doing now. We're creating it. We're already creating it by discussing. It's part of our normal reality. I talk about it every day to different groups, different people, because it's who I am. It's, uh, I mean, if I was interested in another subject, I'd be talking about that subject. But, um, yeah, I, I'm still very excited for the future, Jeff. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Did they give you any tips for us to be able to raise our own vibration? No, I can't think of any specific tips um, other than being, from my own perspective, being open-minded, asking questions, ask for help from your guides, from your ETs. They're, they are here. They're around us all the time. Our deceased family members are around. We just have to be open-minded to the fact uh, that they are, and see the signs that they give us uh, in relation to who we are. I know I was speaking to my brother a few uh, months ago, and uh, he's, he's a retired aircraft engineer. He worked in the UK, had his own business, and then he retired to Spain a few years ago. And I was speaking to him on the phone one day, and he said, Kevin, you can't believe the size of the butterflies here. They're huge. Uh, and he's got a place that overlooks the Mediterranean, I said, well, why don't you ask the butterflies to come and land on your hand? And he said, they won't do that. I said, well, uh, why don't you go onto the balcony now and see if you can do that? So he went out on the balcony. A butterfly came past, a big one. I said, oh, you'll need a reason. You'll have to tell it you want to see the beautiful colours on its wings. Otherwise, it won't come. So he went out reluctantly. And uh, I said, right, hold up your hand. So he held up his hand. A butterfly came across. It flew past. He asked it. It out of sight, it turned around, it came back, and it landed on his fingers. Bearing in mind, he'd been there three years, and he's just, just watching them go back to the pods. I said, right, now what you need to do, you want to ask it to go away, come back with a friend, because uh, you want to compare the colours on the wings of the different butterflies. So the butterfly was on his fingers, it took off, out of sight, came back, landed on his fingers, brought a friend with him, and it landed on his forehead. I got photographs of it. And... Uh, <clears throat> He was amazed. He had 14 landings of butterflies on him that day. He'd been there about three years by this time. Nothing had happened. What happened there was he was using thought and consciousness as the conduit for communication for the insect realm. And, and what I do, I do it 
not only with the insect realms, not only with the animals and the plants and the trees, but to the higher levels of consciousness, which includes the ETs, the higher conscious beings. So that, that's just a simple example. And now, after that, he, he went out on his balcony with his wife. He says, go on, I'll ask the butterflies to come and land on you. And the butterflies came down and landed on her arm, and she was amazed by it. So I now call him the butterfly whisperer. But that, that's just a simple example of using consciousness for education and communication. Uh, so quite simple. And I'd say because he's a, a nuts and bolts man, but it's opened up his reality now. He's enjoying nature more. He appreciates the, the nature. The, the seagulls all come round now and fly around, around his face, but they didn't used to before. They're always flying around. Why? Because he's made that connection to a different realm of consciousness and we're, we're all connected. And once you realize that, we evolve as a species. Kevin, before we finish up, can you share with us any other messages that the ETs have for us? I would just say that they are here to assist with our evolution. They want to help us. We are not to be frightened by them. They are willing to share their technologies with us. They are willing to share their technologies to help us with the pollution that we've created on our planet. And I think that if we are to evolve as a species, yes, we have to do it ourselves, but we we need to reach that level of consciousness, as you, as you uh, dis, discussed, in relation to how many people understand that. And that's why it's important getting the message out. And that's why it's important that you have your shows and have people on the show, like myself, because we're uh, engaging in expanding our consciousness and our understanding of who we are. Kevin, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me on your show, Jeff. I've enjoyed chatting with you. Likewise. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.